I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then, if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Racial approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. One of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships. No subject is ever taboo. So join us now for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It Radio with Will Strayhorn and Friends. It is Tuesday. No, it's a Tuesday. Wednesday. Wednesday, June 29th. We're almost finished with June already. So we're on our last show of this third season of Let's Face It Radio, and um, I have a very special person in the studio with me, but before we get to introduce her, um, I want to just talk about my song for the week. I've had a very trying week, and I've talked to my my special co-host today about it, Um, a lot of things going on, as with everybody in the world, you know, you turn on the news, there's always something going on, but I've been listening to this song all week that has gotten me through it, and it's my track of the week. It is one, two, three, victory by Kurt Franklin. I'm gonna talk to you about the concert after this, but if you listen to Let's Face It, we'll be right back. Hey yo, one, two, three, get up, we got victory. No weapon they throw at me. You know it won't prosper. Now yeah. just got it all. I'm doing good. I'll save it bad all. I'm doing good. Should be afraid, but I'm feeling good. All the time you say God is good. Yeah. 
scars. But we're still winning. Sing the anthem. What's ahead of you is greater than all the things that were behind you. See, you gotta understand, you gotta understand that everything was already ordained before you got here for you to do good. See, if eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into us, man. God's masterful plan for his children. See, that's who you are, baby girl. You God's child. My brother, that's who you are. You gotta understand that all things are working for you. by Kurt Franklin. I went to go see this um, this young guy about two months ago, I think. He was at the Chrysler. show was totally off the hook. It was filled to capacity. Um, had a good time. I mean, I was surprised to see he had everybody dancing. It was good. It was good. Um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Kurt Franklin won the Gospel Award at the BET yes, this year, did. right? He did. Right. Absolutely. All right. But my stu- my studio guest, my very special guest, Ms. Rhea Goff, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. So tell the people about you. I know how fabulous you are, but tell them. Uh, my name is Rhea Goff, as you stated. I like to call myself the solutionist. Um, I believe that every problem has a solution, but it takes hard work and dedication to get there. Okay. Um, I'm the owner of SCORE Clinical Services. I am the, a therapeutic life coach. I take people from where they are to where they want to be. So That's what's up. I like it. I love what I do. Okay. Okay. So where is your practice located? It's in Chesapeake, Virginia. Um, I have a website with information. Um, it's www.rayagolf, and it's spelled R-H-A-E-A, golf, G-O-F-F, dot com. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for um, coming to the studio joining us. So you saw the BET Awards. I saw the BET Awards. What do you think? What do you think? You know, they were okay. They were, okay. they were okay. Were they now? Were they all the hype that you were waiting for after the billboards? Were you, is it is it all that was you know that, that was beefing it up to be? I would say no. No. I think that um, if they would not have hyped it up, it would have been a good show. Good. You, your expectations were elevated, were right? Very high. So yeah. So it's more or less. I watched part of it, mm-hmm. and part of it watched me. Okay. So so it you, didn't hold your attention the it whole time. Did not. But you know, BET was smart. Because most times they do like a segment where they have give honor to like you know Prince was a theme mm-hmm. this year. So instead of them doing a segment and everybody just turn tune into that segment and then tune out, right, right, they had it throughout the whole show. Right, so, so you had it. To them. Right, right, right. Yeah. So what was your favorite moment? My favorite moment was I have two. Okay. The first one was Beyonce and Kendrick Lamar. Okay. They came through. It was okay. a great opening. I was like, oh, uh-huh. it had my attention. Uh-huh. And then my second was Jesse Williams. He came. Oh, that was that was no. I, that shocked me. It shocked me. He came through. He came through, and I felt empowered. Yeah. I was ready to conquer yeah. the world after that. He was my favorite, and then my girl, J-Hud. <sighs> she did. Jennifer Hudson. Yes. 
I was, uh, I was, now I was kind of, how were you with the host? You know, I liked them on Blackish. Yeah. Stick to Blackish. Stick to Blackish. I think they were trying too hard or something. And then whoever wrote either, who wrote the jokes or maybe the timing, it was like the punchlines weren't coming in. I was like, this is like borderline corny to me. Yeah. Right. And then when, you know, Anthony, um, Anthony Brown had the pants that were cut out. Yeah. Bit much for me. And I didn't even know they were real. I thought it was it looked plastic. Mm-mm. I didn't even know. They were real. <laughs> that was a bit much. That was a bit much. That was a bit much. <laughs> so, you know, I loved them on Blacklist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Blackish. Um, great teachable moments on that show. Right. Do you they, watch it? I do. Okay. I do. They hit some really good topics this uh-huh. year. Um, and I tuned in. I watched it on on demand. Uh-huh. I think they do a great job with that. Stick okay. to that. Okay. So Speaking about the BET Awards, you know, your girl opened up, did a fabulous job. You know, I'm a part of the Beehive. Oh, you? I am. Let me ask you something. What? So, when Lemonade came out, Uh and they got Rachel Roy and Rachel Rachel Ray confused, were you part of the Beehive that were attacking Rachel Ray? No, I'm not not an active Beehive (laughs) member, no. I'm just, you know, I'm an honorary member of it. I haven't done anything to, you know, deserve my membership into it. But um, I'm definitely a big fan of Beyonce. Um... But, you know, she left she afterwards. Um, and, you know, her mom went up there. Kind of confused about how I think um, Miss Tina Knowles looked. For some reason, the jumpsuit from the front was looking good. But from the back, I'm like, baby. I know. Baby, I know. come on. I like Tina. I like, I like Tina. Tina, too. I but, do. Mm, okay. but she's a designer. So we expected a little bit more from her. That's what you're saying. Yeah. and I, Well, I expected a little bit less of this back spilling out <laughs> over her jumpsuit. That's what I expected. Okay. But um, she looked she she looked good. I'm, I'm gonna give her credit for doing that. But you know, she came up during the award and she said Beyonce had to leave because she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're saying that um, a lot of people were saying that Beyonce did not have a concert the next day right. and that she left because you know whatever feelings towards the BET or they were saying like if it was the Grammys or something like like that she would have stayed. Okay. Um, but then Miss Miss Knowles came back and she said that she had had it incorrect. That mm-hmm. she had got the information, I think, from a crew member mm-hmm. who had, had the dates mixed up, or maybe she misunderstood something. But she was pretty um, defensive right. over her daughter, of course. Of course, that's a and thing. yeah, just saying that um, she had it mixed up. But Beyonce gives unselfishly of herself. Mm-hmm. Blah 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 blah. So, what do you think? I want to ask you a personal question. Do you make up things to get out of situations, or okay, I do. I'm not gonna lie. We're human. Yeah. So as humans, that's what we do. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm okay with saying no. I'm okay saying How I. How do you do that? No. <laughs> it, just, it kind of flows off my. It flows off my tongue, and uh-huh. I think that comes with me being a therapeutic life coach. Okay. And I get the part of setting boundaries with people because mm-hmm. if I'm everything for everybody, I'm nothing to myself. Oh. So it's all about let me tell you what I can and can't do. Uh-huh. I'm okay with Beyonce leaving. Let's. When I first heard that she left, I was like, wait, was she just there? Uh-huh. But then I heard about the, the show in London. Right. And then I was like, you know what? She is, she works hard. She's right. one of the hardest working people that I know. Exactly. So even if she wants to go to London and mm-hmm. take a t- take time off, she has that right. She has it right. Her contract said I had to perform. She I fulfilled, fulfilled the contract, obligations. Right, and I owe you nothing. Right. I owe you nothing but to perform. Right, right. That's it. And then they were saying other people were kind of like throwing shade to the BETs because I think um, Nicki Minaj wasn't there. Right. Um, Rihanna, mm-hmm. they're making an appearance. These people also weren't nominated for anything. Right. So, how do you feel about that? Rihanna's on tour. So, oh, then, yeah. You know, Rihanna's on tour, so she got to make that money. So, yeah. I, even if she was, she she was probably invited and just couldn't go. Uh-huh. Um, 
And Nicki Minaj, I don't know if she has, I don't, I don't follow her. She uh -huh. has great music, but uh -huh. I don't know if she has anything <laughs> relevant out right now. Don't hold it against me, people. Yeah. But I don't know what she has out right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember. Was Kanye in the house? Probably not. You know, he was doing his, um, he was getting ready for his video debut. Yeah, video. Have you seen, I, I haven't watched the video, but I saw the graphic. Right. What do you think about that? Kanye got some big, um, on him. He's. <laughs> He's off the hook. But that's who he is. Yeah. Do we expect anything that, else? No. Okay. I wouldn't I, I I expected it. Um it's it's a little it's a little I can say ballsy. It's a little ballsy for him, but right. um you know he put he has everybody talking about it, everybody upset. I haven't heard anything where the tailor has made a statement or not. But you know, the video famous it has um synthetic versions. I think mm -hmm. they're they're like the wax figures. Yes. Um it was Kanye West, next mm -hmm. to him was Kim Kardashian, on the other side was Taylor Swift, mm -hmm. Rihanna, Anna Wintour, who's the editor of Vogue, mm -hmm. Donald Trump, mm. Mm -hmm. George W. Bush, Bill Cosby, Chris Brown, um, and a couple more people who were naked in bed. I don't know what the, what the message was, right. but um, a, a couple celebrities came out um, and was talking about how it was um, defaming women and things like that. Um, I just think it was Kanye, and he did exactly what he always does. You know, he, he does makes a statement, has everybody talking about it. Pretty much. And he continues to be relevant. And I think it is, um, he mimics a historical picture, too. It's, uh -huh. a, it's an older picture of um, naked people, but it's not like pop culture. So it's like 1980, in the 1800s. And I don't know oh, the really? name of the picture, but it's kind of mimics off of that. Oh, okay. And then um, I think that's him being him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, today he just inked a deal with Adidas that can give him a, almost a billion dollars. What? So even even with all of this, uh -huh. he's still winning. So he does it for attention. He's a smart man, and uh -huh. he's all about branding. I know, that's right. I know. So what's something that you want to talk about? I don't want to talk about everything. What's, what's something that we can, what's on your heart? You know, I it, it's just with a lot that's going on this week. Uh -huh. um, let's start off with the Red Cross, the Red Cross picture. Ah! Now, I don't get that. But you know what? Okay, I saw it, first of all, on The View. Mm -hmm. But when I first saw it in the magazine, I, I didn't read anything. It was a picture. And I like animated pictures. Right. Cartoons. So I was looking at it, and I was like, ugh. I saw the black girl pushing the... I was right. like, look at her. Then right. I said, you know what? She would be black. Right. And I just kept looking through the pictures. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Right. And something caught my eye. I was like, well, why is it... And then I read the article, and that's what it was talking right. about. So I'm trying, thinking, you know, if I noticed that, and I'm not even in that department, who... Did it get overlooked? Right. Or did it not get overlooked? What back, do you think? Wait, can we go back to the Old Navy commercial? Because, you know, it remind, that's what it took me back to. Uh -huh. Do you remember the Old Navy commercial? It was a picture, and um, it was probably maybe a few months ago. It was a Caucasian boy resting his arm on an African Yeah, American I child. saw that. I, so I'm just trying to figure out. This is a very sensitive time in our country. Uh -huh. There's a lot of police brutality, and, mm -hmm. and you know, racism, is, racism yeah. is at a high. Very tense. So... Who was on their team? Like, you yeah. need some better team members. So yeah. I'm pretty sure somebody got fired over that uh -huh. or consequence. Mm -hmm. Because at first glance, it was very harmless. Mm -hmm. But when you actually look at it, it, but they've been saying they've been using it for years now. Yeah. I can't believe they've been using that for years. So do you think it's because of the times that we're in that everybody's, like, on edge? Absolutely. Like, if times were different, then everybody would look at it and be, you know, maybe, that's cute. Because when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's an unusual pose. I right. didn't really look into it until people started talking about it and, you know, 
on, on a deeper level, then I was like, okay, well, maybe that was a little, you know, racial. Right. And I think people are very deep right now. And yeah. especially coming off the Jesse Williams, I'm going to go back to him because he came through. Yeah. After kind of hearing a speech um, like that, people are like, what can I do? Yeah. With the little bit of platform that I have, how can I make my stamp in the world? Yeah. So we're looking for things. We're mm-hmm. looking, and everybody want a voice. Yeah. Everybody feels as though I could comment about something. So uh-huh. here's my chance. Yeah. So I think initially I overlooked it, but once you really look at it, it's like black kids are doing something wrong in mm-hmm. the picture. All the pictures. All the but pictures. what got me was a little girl that was pushing her. I was like, Lord, she, she needs a spanking. I don't know anybody who was doing anything right. Right. That was African American. They weren't. Culture. I mean, that, that was a, that was what not cool, and then the other right. one was cool. Right. I have a picture of it right yeah. there. And look at her. Uh, yeah. Right. Pushing her. Right. Pushing her. You got one pushing. One look like he's drowning. So that's yeah. not cool to drown. I don't uh-huh. think he's drowning intentionally. <laughs> but what do I know? I don't know. And then you have one person diving, but why do you have a diving board? I mean, yeah. you should, I mean, the rules, it should be more lifeguards mm-hmm. than just saying kids are not cool. They said that that came from, I had research, it was a 19, right. 2014 safe swimming campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did issue an, an apology, but this lady named Ebony Roseman, who she heads a Maryland-based group called Black Kids Swim. Um, she's really on this tirade. She thinks that the apology is not enough and pretty much, in, a, in an environment, like you said, where racism is like on a height right now, right. Um, that they need to do more right. behind it. But what else are they going to do? What, yeah. I mean, unless, and then they're going to probably donate some money to yeah. probably Black Lives Matter yeah. or some kind of activist group just uh-huh. to kind of smooth things, smooth things out. Yeah. I think we they do a lot. You know, we they offend um, the African-American population, and the first thing they do is, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but what else more? What else more yeah. can people do? My whole thing is I hope Jesse's speech isn't just a moment. Because a lot of times we get on this bandwagon, and for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. we're doing things, and right. then it dies down. What did you think about Justin Timberlake's tweet after that? Did you see it? I, I mean, I, I, I heard it. I've heard it about it a couple okay. times, and I've sh- seen them showing his picture with the cornrows uh-huh. and all that kind of stuff. I don't have anything against him. Right. But I think in, um, gosh. I, I think just, everybody is just on edge right on now. Edge. He said, I'm they're, inspired. Uh, that was his, that yeah. was his inspired. Were you inspired, Janet Jackson? You going to apologize to her? It's, it's just, I'm like, oh, my God. God. Right. You know, it makes you just want to just, Okay. They're, 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 they're a little sensitive right now. We right. can't touch them. Right. Yeah. Right. We're mad black people. So. Right. Yeah. We're angry black people. Yeah. But I did read a post. Um, it was by Sean King. It was okay. in the New York Times. Okay. And it explained why um, African Americans got upset. What did you say? It, they talked about... It was really good. It had some great points. And I'm going to summarize. Mm-hmm. That after um, Jesse Williams talked about how the well, Caucasians uh-huh. have basically benefited from black people. Okay. Here we go. Here we have Justin Timberlake, who has definitely benefited from the black culture uh-huh. as far as dance moves, uh-huh. beats, and definitely the Janet Jackson situation. Right. So I think if it was a different time, meaning that maybe six months from now, he just says inspired, uh-huh. it wouldn't be an issue. Uh-huh. But just because it was a few minutes after he gave that speech, it seems as though he was clueless about what Jason Williams was saying. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. Who'd for thought? I still think leave him alone. I know that's right. You know, leave him alone. Okay, so coming to Virginia, <laughs> yes. um, I'm, I'm really not surprised. But, you know, um, no. the ex-governor McDonald was basically they, um, the Supreme Court on Monday, this past Monday, actually, mm-hmm. they decided to overturn the yes. conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, are you surprised by that? By no means. By, By no, no means. means. And for those who don't know, you know, the former governor of Virginia was charged with using his office to help uh, Mr. Johnny Williams mm-hmm. Sr., um, who had provided, you know, the McDonald's with luxury products, loans, and vacations worth more than $175,000 when he was governor. 
Um, so that's what happened. I'm not surprised, but what I'm, I'm looking to see now is with what is the man's name, the Norfolk treasurer? Yes. I want to see what's going to happen with that. Because his attorney, Andrew Sachs, um, is my family's attorney. Okay. So Andrew's smart. Right. Um, so I, I know that he continued to see what's going to go on with this case because it's similar. Right. So I'm, 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 I'm curious to see exactly how that case is going to come out now. And then what's going to happen to, Mar what is his name, Maureen? McDonald, the yes. wife, yeah. because her stuff was on hold too. I want to see how all this is going to tie in together. I think her charges will be dropped. Her, okay. her charges will be dropped. Okay. And I think that one of the points I was reading that because Mr. Williams' dietary supplements or whatever he had right. was not successful, then it's okay. Oh. It's okay to set up meetings. It's okay for me to set up gifts because that's what we do. Uh -huh. It looks inappropriate, but it's that gray area. I think that he it would have been more of a stronger cause if the supplements would have been profitable. Ah. But they were like, well, he just set up meetings. Mm -hmm. It's okay that he did. He, we all set up meetings. Uh -huh. we, do, we do that. <laughs> as CEOs, as business owners, we set up meetings. What's the problem with that? There is mm. a problem. Okay. There is. Do I get Fiaris? You know? Uh -huh. When I worked in the mental health field uh -huh. and I worked for the community services board and other places like that, they told us we couldn't take gifts over $5. But you can get a Fiari as my governor, uh -huh. but I can't get, take a $5 gift because it just... It looks bad. If I'm providing services to you, mm -hmm. why would I be taking gifts from you? This is what I paid to do. This is what I love. For right. I get paid by paycheck, not for gifts from my clients. Mm. But they are, that's my opinion. Yeah, I'm not surprised by it. You know, I, I know the timing has something to do with it. People were saying this. I heard somebody was saying it was on, um, was it CNBC, I believe? Mm -hmm. They were debating about it. And they were saying that this is probably going to, this was almost like a trade-off right. um, because, McDonald was is Republican. Yes. So they were saying that because they're probably not going to indict Hillary. Right. It had to be, and she's a Democrat, there had to be some type of a trade-off. Right. So, you know, maybe this was it. We'll see what happens. We'll see what but happens. stay tuned. Yeah. Because um, yeah. we have, like you said, we have a case right here in Norfolk. Yeah, yes, we do. We do. But we're going to take a quick break right now when we come back. Um, a little bit more to talk about. Then we have our guest, Miss Wendy Newman, who's coming on to talk about 121 first dates. I'm and excited. Everybody in here is single, so she's going to talk to us about online dating. Mm -hmm. I do a whole... Do you online date? You know, I have in the past, but I do not now. I'm a pro, but I'm horrible at it. Really? But you know what? I have, I'm have. i a special guest on uh -huh. a talk show called uh -huh. The Rules, which right. is a relationship. Uh, right. And I, it's going to be great. I would love to ask her some really good questions. Okay. So when we come back, we're going to talk about that. You're listening to Let's Face It. We'll be right back. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance, in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, the Marines. 
Hey guys, follow WODU Studios on Twitter at WODU Studios to find out how you can enter to win tickets to Bad Fish, a tribute to Sublime at the Norba, live on June 24th at 8pm. Again, follow at WODU Studios on Twitter or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash WODU Studios official to see how you can enter. I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time Leave something to remember so they won't forget I was here Former club members Denzel Washington and Jennifer Lopez for the Boys and Girls Clubs Every child follows a path in life For many that path will lead them to a door A door that gives them a place to grow To learn to belong, a place to forge their future. For 100 years, the Boys and Girls Clubs have opened this door for America's youth. You can change a child's future. Support your local Boys and Girls Clubs. Great futures start here. To learn how you can support your local Boys and Girls Clubs, visit greatfutures.org. listening let's face it to one of the hottest talk radio shows on the web are you looking for more exposure for your brand product event or special story let's face it radio is the place for you we're also seeking guest experts specializing in sex and relationships health and wellness politics law spirituality and religion just to name a few Looking for low-cost marketing opportunities? We'll look no further. We offer multiple advertising campaigns via website ads or audio commercial opportunities played live during the show. Visit www.letsfaceitradio.com and complete the appropriate contact form for more information. You're listening. Let's Face It. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Straightboard and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Face It Radio in the studio with my girl, Rhea. Hey. How you doing, boo? I'm doing great. Okay, so coming up, our guest, Miss Wendy Newman. She is an author and a dating, sex, and relationship expert who has hundreds of workshops to you know thousands of people talking about um, topics of understanding gender differences, dating, sex, and partnership of all kinds. She wrote this book. I think she actually went on 121 first dates, and she's talking about how to succeed at online dating. So she's going to call in um, at 7.30. But I want to ask you, you mentioned earlier that you um, are on a show. Tell us about the show. Yes, um, I want to be a special guest on a dating t- um, talk show called The Rules. The Rules. It's with Coach Ellis and Friends. It's going to be on Sky 4. Our first episode is July 11th. I'm super excited. Okay, and what is it about? It's about um, healthy dating. He has Coach Ellis has 12 rules. And I'm actually on the first episode that talks about knowing yourself because I feel as though, and I agree with Coach Ellis, that when you know yourself, you date in confidence, not desperation. And that's a good topic. I love it. That's a good it's topic. It's all about knowing yourself. And I think, okay, so you're single. Yes, I am. Right. Is that, what's, what's one of the biggest issues holding you up? Um, I, because I know who I am now, uh, I'm not settling. You're not settling. Okay. And I think that's where I am. I need to know who I am now. Right. I was in a relationship for 16 years. Mm-hmm. Ended last June. Um, I'm a different person than I was 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I took the time out to realize who I am now. Right. That's why I'm falling into a lot of the mistakes that are familiar mm-hmm. um, to prior to those 16 years. So mm-hmm. I think I need to take that time 
and get to know myself, like you said. Yes, because um, I know my last relationship, it, it, it ended in the crash and burn. And oh, really, um, but I, but you know what? I can thank him to this moment mm -hmm. because if it was not for him uh -huh. in that situation, I would not have become the person I am. Because when that situation ended, I said, I'm going to do better, mm -hmm. I'm going to know my worth, and I'm going to date. I call it my Ephesians 5, based upon the Bible, uh -huh. Ephesians 5, chapter 5, and it talks about what you want from your husband, and that's the man I'm seeking for. So if I know myself, I walk in confidence until then. I'm enjoying life. Yeah. I enjoy a single well, life. What's, what's the number one thing you want? Um, from a man? Uh-huh. He, um, he has a relationship with Jesus. Oh, that's good. Has to. Okay. Not, I didn't say God. Uh -huh. We have to be in line with this. We're worshiping the same God. We're, right. We've got to be. That's very important to right. me. Right. What, what's a deal breaker? A deal breaker is um, not, not having a relationship with God, uh -huh. but also um, not knowing who he is. And okay. that, and, and you can tell by how he carries himself. You will see it in him and his work ethic, uh -huh. and how he treats people and other and um, his family. Uh -huh. And that's a deal breaker for me. Uh, are you the type of woman who looks at how he treats his mom? Absolutely. Really? But it, but I look how he treats people as a whole. As a whole, because okay. if you treat your friends bad and they've been with you for fifteen years, what makes you think I'm any different? Yeah. So I just I, I allow people to be who they are. Right. I don't correct them mm -hmm. because. He's only changing if he does change to get something for me, not for the long haul. Mm. People change because they want to, not because I make you. Right. So I, I need I need him to be secure financially. Right. I need him to have a career. Okay. Um, and I need him to know who he is. Financially. Absolutely. Okay. So you, so do they have to make more than you? Um, you have to be. You don't have to make more, okay. but you need to be financially secure. I am not in my 20s anymore. I'm not a spring chicken. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> um, with that being said, uh -huh. I probably would have dated in my 20s with someone who is trying to get it together. Okay. Being in my mid-30s, I'm looking for somebody who has it together, but we're not perfect. Okay. Meaning that I have an idea. I know who I am. I'm seeking that. And then um, everything else will fall in place. But you have to be financially secure. You have to. Because I because if not, let's say I dated somebody who's not working. Uh -huh. I'm setting the tone that you're not working, so I'm gonna take care of you. That's the tone it's I a set. A lot of good one. men who are just in a bad place right now. Then you should So are they gonna miss Raya? You're gonna miss me. <laughs> but it's okay. I, I can say that because once upon a time people date out of desperation. He's a good man who uh -huh. doesn't have himself together to so let me take care of him until. Uh -huh. But you set the tone in the, in the oh. beginning. So you have to start off strong. I don't think a man should date until he has himself together, oh, just okay. as if a woman should not date until she has herself together. Mm -hmm. Because two incomplete people gets married, it is a divorce. Okay. That's how it is. Your foundation has to be strong. Okay. Now that you said that, let me get, while we're waiting on our guests, let me ask you a question. Okay. So, told you I'm on a whole bunch of apps. I'm Had a um, situation where someone called me on, on Friday. Okay. I was off work Saturday. And said, let's go to breakfast. We want to go to breakfast on Saturday. Mm -hmm. and it, was, it was a date situation. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, let's go. Okay. Um, got the, to breakfast. Nice place. This place called Citrus at the beach, Virginia like Beach. It. Yeah, went there. Um, had a nice breakfast. Check came. Nobody reached for anything. Mm. So I ended up paying for breakfast. No problem. Okay, I've done that before. Went across the street to um, Whole not Whole Foods, to um, what's the store? Home Goods. Okay. Was shopping, getting some things for my place. They got two things. They got something for the cell phone and got something for the kitchen. Put it in the basket. I said, okay, that's fine. 
Got through the line. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Got... Wait, wait. Did he put it in the basket? Just what clarification. Because he didn't want to carry them and put it in the That's resting position? That's what a normal person would assume. Okay, okay. Just, I just okay, sure. I can see why you didn't go get your basket for just two things. Right. That's fine. Sure, put it in my basket. That's fine. Get up to the counter. Oh, wait. I'm crossing my arms. I'm just step, crossing my arms. So I'm like, oh, okay. I instantly saw what they thought they had. <laughs> so anyway... I went ahead. I went ahead and paid it. It was only like maybe eighteen dollars. Went ahead and paid it. But I got into the car and I was like, "Let that be the last time that you assume that I'm going to pay for anything." Um, and we haven't talked since then. But what, was I wrong? Number one, was I wrong when assuming that it was going to be Dutch? Because I thought I was under the impression that when we, when people invite you out for breakfast or to eat, that you're paying. Now I was ready to pay half. Or pay my portion, or go Dutch, because we hadn't discussed it in the way. But I definitely didn't expect to pay for your your merchandise. Was I wrong? Um, I would expect him to pay. What um, would you? What, what would you have done? I would have sat there, crossed my legs, and got comfortable. <laughs> I would have got comfortable and said, "Oh, we will have a standoff." Uh -huh. And I, and if I would have paid, I would have paid for myself. I figured you invite me out, right. you're courting me, you're pursuing me. So at that tone, at that time, you're paying. Right. And then when we got to the grocery store, I would assume you're putting your groceries in a resting position. And it was home, TJ Maxx. Okay, so when we're at Home Goods, you mm -hmm. know, because things get it's kind of bulky in there. I'm, yeah. You know, I want to carry that stuff. I'm putting in a resting position. Yeah. But I would never have thought that you'd expect me to pay, and I would not have paid. It would have still been in the store. <laughs> it, we, it would have been a very confusing matter. It's like, you know, I actually put this in my basket, but I changed my mind. Uh -huh. But there would be no way I'd be paying for that. But it was, it was okay. It's a teachable moment. I believe. Very, it was I a teachable in, moment. Yeah. I believe in teachable moments of what we won't do the next time. Mm -hmm. And um, I you, I would think that you would not speak to him again. And But if you do, because I... I would set some very clear boundaries of uh -huh. what your expectations are yeah. for this person. Uh -huh. And if they don't meet the expectation, it's time to walk away. Uh -huh. you, it's, it's all about boundaries and teaching people how to treat you. Right. Well, you know what? Mm, I'm that type of person. Well, maybe it was a bad day. Oh, anyway, <laughs> but you know what? Sunday we went to church. After Sunday, I was like, some said, are you hungry? Went to eat breakfast. But you know what? I knew I was going to pay for it then. I, I would have paid for it. So I invited them out. I paid for breakfast. But during the during breakfast, we had the conversation. Um, they were talking about the, how they were blessed to have people in their lives that made sure they were okay. So it was like, oh, okay. So oh. I'm, evidently, they, they're used to dating people who take care of them. Oh, okay. And at then, it was very clear to me that we weren't going to. We were from two different worlds, and it wasn't going to work. Right. Um, so, yeah, that was my, my, my dating disaster for the week. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. My question is... Um, when people show you who they are, why believe do we not them. believe them? But why do we give people second, third? I'm not just talking about you. And I, I have this conversation a lot of times with my uh -huh. clients. I met this person and, you know, he dogged me out. But, you know, I was thinking he had an off day. Yeah. I, I try to figure out what part. Because, you know, I'm very matter of fact. Mm -hmm. In my coaching sessions, I believe in being matter of fact. I'm very upstruct, I'm straightforward. And I'm going to tell you, does this really make sense? Is this going to help you reach your goal? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to. Believe who people are. You're right. Set a boundary. Learn from them, and know the next person's coming. You don't have to make things work. He's just the person's just not the one. Right. And I should have. Okay. I should have. But you know. That's okay. Let, let live and learn. Move forward. Yeah. You know. Ah yeah yeah. But Wendy's aye. gonna give you some tips. Wendy's gonna help. Will help us out. Well, if Wendy calls. Yeah. If Wendy calls. Um. But anyway, we'll just move on. We have a lot of things we that so we can talk. About. Yes, we do. We do. Um.
Okay, so this I don't normally ask people their their political views, but um, I'm with her. I guess that's the same that you say. I'm with I'm with Hillary. Glad you know um, that she, she's running. Um, but a lot of people are having problems trusting her. Yeah. And even though I believe that the report, the Benghazi report, was released, and they you know didn't find anything differently, even though people are still spending money on attack ads behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she basically made a statement at one of her events, which I believe was this past Monday at right. Jesse Jackson's International Women's Luncheon. Mm-hmm. And she said, I understand people having questions. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically said, you know, they don't trust me. But she's also said that um, she's very careful with her words because she said she is careful with her words. She said, so yes, I could say that I sometimes sound careful with my words. It's not because I'm hiding something. It's just because I'm careful with my words. I believe that you should actually, what you actually say actually matters. Are you careful with your words? I am. You I, are? I try, especially when I am out. Well, when I'm, my girl, when I'm with my girlfriends, uh-huh. I'm me. I just say it, it, say it like it is uh-huh. and move forward. But I understand because I am a therapeutic life coach, I have the power of influence. Right. I either can motivate you or break you down. Uh-huh. So I have to be very mindful with the words that come out my mouth. And I have a platform. I want to inspire and encourage people. And words have power. You know, they say sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words may never hurt me. Exactly. That's the biggest lie in the world. Words will crush you, lower your self-esteem, and make you fall out on the floor. Right. So we have to be mindful of things that we say. We do. We do. We do. There's no way around it. Especially my as my as the president. How like I don't want you to speak out of emotion. Have purpose behind your words. Um. I don't. Why do you, do you trust her? I don't trust anybody. You don't trust anybody. I don't trust anybody. I I I, I think we are all human. So we have the best intentions at heart, mm-hmm. but we're going to hurt you. We're, we we are going to do things to disappoint you. Um, we're going to lie if we yeah. can. I mean, but I mean, she's a politician. No offense. But yeah. I, I mean, how much? How much? Who do you who do you trust more? Who do you trust more, um, Hillary or Trump? That's the question. Baby, Trump ain't even. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Um, Taraji at the BET Awards, she said something. She was like, you know what? You keep saying thinking that he's not going to win. Right. Think again. Right. Thinking if we sit home, right. Thinking that she has this, yeah. Right. But um, you know, with Obama running for campaign, we show we showed that we could come out in numbers. Yeah. So we need to do that we again. Need to do it again. Yeah. If not, it's like literally you vote or die. Like, yeah. Clearly, if, I'm not saying that we might not literally die, mm-hmm. but if the wrong well, person you, you is get on the boat, right, well, yeah, you're going back. <laughs> well, I mean, if the wrong person is elected president, and talk about building up walls, yeah, I don't, you're setting us back yeah. hundred years. Yeah. So it, it's it's going to cost us. It's going to yeah. cost us. It's, it's, mm. um, me, I try to be careful with my words, but I'm the type of person when I get really passionate about something, something clicks, and before I know it, I've said a whole bunch. Okay. Somebody's over here um, with her lips twisted, but I try <laughs> to be, but I'm the type of person who, you're going to know how I feel. Right. Yeah. And that, Nikki and I have talked a couple of times, and she's like, I can't believe you just said that to me. I'm like, it needs to be said. You know, sometimes Nikki Curry, the world's greatest publicist, yes, you know. Is. Hairstylist to, I mean, client to Will Strayhorn, hair and makeup artist. I'm like, Nikki. And Rhea Golf. Hold on. Yes, she, right. Hold on. Right. Hold on. She, I'm her client also. Yeah, you yeah. know. That's what I like about this. We're a family unit. We that's are. why she's built a nice family. So that's yes. good. But um, sometimes I'm passionate about things before I know it. I've said something and I have to go back and recant it. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to get better mm-hmm. with um, choosing words correctly mm-hmm. um, and thinking before I speak. Because right. words are not... Retractable, right? And once it's out there, it's out there. That's right. 
And it's a way to get your point across without beating a person down. You can get your point across. You can express your frustration, uh -huh. but you don't have to use certain words that's going to make the person feel even worse than they're already feeling. Because people, everybody's going through something. Right. And we just dress up to uh -huh. cover it up. And I don't care. I don't, you don't see my baggage. But you don't know what your words to say to me to break me down. So get your point across. Uh -huh. Use your words. But just be mindful of things that you say. Mindful of things you say. What's, what's another topic that you have? Oh, goodness. What else is going on? Hey, what's going on? Okay, I got a question for you. Mm -hmm. And it's back to dating. Okay. What do you think about dating a friend's ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend? Okay, <sighs> this person that I was telling you about. Okay. <laughs> this is great. Nikki's about to crack. This person that I, that I was involved with for 16 years, 16. the love of my life. That's a long time. Light, long time. Long time. I'm going to see them after the show. <laughs> but um, <laughs> long time. So good, um, the person is a good per a good friend. Now they are. Yes. A couple months ago, I wanted to have them, you know, oh, okay. disappear. But wait, yeah. Hold on, wait. I'm not to cut you off. You can be friends with your ex. You know what? I can't think of. I can't think of one ex that I'm still not friends with. I'm not friends with any of my exes. Really? Not one. Were you not friends during the relationship? I would like to think that we we were. <laughs> Well, see, that's a problem, life coach. I, I, but you know what? You know, I'm going to tell you why we're that friends. Why? I'm going to help you out. Because I, I set boundaries. Because I forgive you for how you treated me, uh -huh. but I'm not going to allow you back in my life to do the same. And I believe that people get comfortable. I teach you how to treat me. And if you can't maintain that boundary, then I'm going to have to end it. And it's okay. We don't have to be friends. You are in my life for a reason and season, and we just move on. So you don't think... It's a different relationship, you know. We're it's a whole it's a whole new ground. I mean, you don't have to. There's no type of commitment. There's you know, I don't have to worry about you cheating on me. You right. know, we're friends. You know, I, I have a, I don't know. I don't understand that. I think it depends on why we ended. I, I can't That's say one thing, yeah. that I have ended relationships because of somebody cheating on me. Um, relationships have been ended just due to um, us. We're outgrowing each other. Mm -hmm. We're going two different directions, mm -hmm. um, and. You know, when you outgrow each other, it's hard to be friends. Because mm -hmm. if I gr outgrow you on a relationship level, I've outgrown you on a friendship level also. Because it kind of really, yes. Because if you're, if I'm dating you, you're my friend too. Mm -hmm. So if we, if we're not seeing eye to eye in a relationship, then how are we going to see eye to eye? Well, friends? okay. Well, well to, what are to answer your question, because I'm very careful about who I call a friend, and I surround myself because I can say I, I have a. Hey, oh, there's Wendy. Drop the, drop. Okay. We'll put a pin there. We'll put a pin there. Yes, yes, yes. Where, Miss Wendy Newman, please. Thank you for calling Less Faces. It's Miss Wendy Newman. Hi, this is Wendy Newman. Hi, how are you? Thanks for calling. You bet. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so, t tell us, tell everyone about you. We know you wrote the book that you're also an author. You're a relationship expert. Tell all the people who Miss Wendy Newman is. Well, I am just a woman who, like many, many other women, wanted to go on a date and meet her man. Okay. Meet, meet her forever, the one partner, husband, whoever he was. Okay. <laughs> and, and I thought... I thought it'd take like I don't know, like four or five different dates maybe to find him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it it took ten years. It took 121 different men before wow. I got mine. So, so you're saying through all that that you have a foolproof dating strategy? I do. You do. I do. Well, 
This is gonna be good. Want me to tell you what it is? Yeah, tell us what it is. I want to hear now, this. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really easy. Okay. It it's very simple, mm-hmm. but really, all we need to do is show up as ourselves, and that sounds well. Like, of course, you'd do that, right? Mm-hmm. But but it often doesn't happen for both men and women because they're trying to impress each other. Right. Mm-hmm. But but also, there's this little handy dandy extra feature that us a lot of us women have where. We kind of want to be pleasing, and we might contort to figure out what you want us to be and then be that. That doesn't work so well. It doesn't work so notice? well? It doesn't work so well. When we contort and we listen for what you're hoping for and we decide to try and become that uh-huh. instead of who we really are. Eventually it comes out. <laughs> Eventually it comes out, the real person. It does. So my big, fat, massive strategy is to show up, be yourself, present yourself as yourself, and if that person is the one, then they'll come back. Can I ask you a quick question? Um, I am go- I'm a, t- a, a guest co-host on a dating show called The Rules, and one of Catch- Coach Ellis's rules is um, knowing yourself. So yeah. if I'm going to show up as myself, would you say you sh- the person should take time getting to know themselves first? Yeah, and and really, just really, when you're getting to know yourself, figure out what it is you are looking for, what you right. need, what will make you happy, what's hmm. the point for you. Okay, okay. Yeah. Do you have any ideas or tips that people can do to um, get to know themselves? Yeah, so the first thing you want to figure out is from who you are, what you're about, what do you need, and the first place you could look is what do you get from your friends? What do you count on your friends for? If they didn't have the qualities they have, that would annoy you. Mm-hmm. And chances are you could look at a mirror and see yourself there because we often are best friends with people that we're a lot alike. Mm-hmm. So, for example, my best friend is very decisive. I am mm-hmm. very decisive. Uh-huh. If I had someone indecisive of, of a partner, that would drive me nuts. Mm. <laughs> okay. So you don't believe the opposite attracting? Well, opposites do attract in chemistry Mm -hmm. to make a good baby. But opposites attract have very little to do with quality of life. Good point. I like that. I like that, too. That was good. So, Wendy, we were talking earlier. um, There's three of us here in the studio. We were talking about everybody's single. Um, A couple of us have tried online dating, myself more so than either of the other two ladies in the the room. Um, But you say that um, what's the worst thing? about online dating? Well, the worst thing about online dating is, and everybody is having to deal with this, is you become a commodity. You know, there's just when there's a million choices, or really, in reality, when there's 25 million people on one dating site, Mm -hmm. people tend to have the attitude of, well, you know, they have kind of a boring job, so I'll just move on to the next one. There's going to be something better around the corner. That's, Mm -hmm. That's... the superficial part of it is heartbreaking, and so I just beg that all of us are looking at the person standing in front of us mm-hmm. and really getting to know them and enjoying them and seeing, are they a fit for me or are they not a fit for me, instead of how does this person compare against the last one Do or the you next know what? One? What you just saying that, that kind of resonated with me because I was talking to a friend about it as well, and it can, it can, if you already have self-esteem issues, mm-hmm. that is just worse on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being compared to all those people and then, you know, oh, okay. I'm going to say something that might shock you. 
Go ahead. That said, it's actually why I like Tinder. You right. think I would Tinder like is Tinder. the most. I just had to swipe. Tinder is just the most boring. You know, we talk well, about it. Be the like... reason I say Tinder is because there's not a lot of information, so you can't do oh, a lot of that prejudging, boring right. job business. You get you off the couch that. and on a date. Right. That makes sense, because I was going to ask you, one of the hardest things I hear my friends saying is, what picture do I post, and what do I say about myself? What is my, like, I say 30-second elevator pitch. So what do you actually put on your um, page? Yeah, so it depends if, you've, or if you're on one of those sites like Tinder where they're only going to give you a very small amount of characters. Mm -hmm. You're just going to do your best to be the most direct, and that's another reason why I like that site so much and other sites like JSwipe and things like that because it it has you be direct. It forces you to be sort of straight and direct about it. Right. right. <laughs> Can't really mess around and, you know, puff yourself up too much. And the thing that I would rec recommend that women do, I don't actually look at coach men and look at men's profiles too much. Well, I looked at a million of them when I was dating, but but men do okay. What I want to see women do differently is I would really like to see them say what's unique about them because mm -hmm. what I'm seeing now is what we do as women is we paint this partner package, what a good wife and mother we would be, how our loved ones are the most important thing in our lives, how we're a great cook, how we can go from a cocktail dress to jeans. Everyone sounds the same. Everybody hikes and bikes and does all the same stuff. So I'd rather have them speak about something that you, it's unique. What's, what's she passionate about that isn't related to her being a wife? Mm. Who is she? And then the other thing we do is we vet. We put everything we want in a man in that profile, mm. like our life depends on it. Mm -hmm. He's got to be financially responsible and handsome and tall and makes me laugh and calls <laughs> with me in the night. And I mean, it just... <laughs> Like like we're vetting, right? Yeah. Like if you say you're honest and open, then mm -hmm. there, certainly no one would lie, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> got to make sure you got that six figures. <laughs> right. So, yeah, yeah. So how did you end up writing 121 First Dates? Well, I completely didn't mean to. I was just a woman out there dating and minding her own business. But uh -huh. it, first date number 54, and I didn't know he was 54 at the time, but Google Calendar did. Wow. It was so horrendous that... I had to share it. I had to share it with my single girlfriends. I had to share it with my married girlfriends who were complaining about how boring their marriages were. Mm -hmm. I was saving marriages left and right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mostly I just wanted women to see that no matter what your experience is, no matter how hideous it can be, you're not alone. And then what I realized is I could point out in that date, even though it was a, a lot on him, I could I could see where I blew it, where I could have ended the date faster, where I could have been more graceful, where I could have nipped it in the bud. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that I could write the date and then write what I did well or what he did well mm -hmm. or where I blew it. And so I just started writing my dates after that and chronicling the whole experience. And now in the book, there's only 28 of the 100 and. 101, 21 stories. I, I didn't give you the boring ones about where I showed up and I wasn't his type and it was okay. over in, you know, an hour. That's mm -hmm. boring. So, <laughs> know about those. So, so yeah. the juicy ones, the juicy 28 yeah. are, are in there and all of them have lessons are, and are written around what we can do to, to have it 
be more efficient and easy and graceful so you can get to it faster. Nice. What was the, what is the biggest thing or the most important thing that you learned from all your days? Mm. Yeah, I found out that I could date men who were not my physical type and actually have a great relationship. Mm. But what I couldn't do is date somebody who I termed was out of my tribe. And what I mean by that is just what you were talking about earlier, that opposites attract thing. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily true. I needed someone that resonates with me, that saw the world the way I saw the world, especially with the political climate right now. Can you imagine dating for someone in the opposite party you're voting for? I mean, come on, right? Mm -hmm. So opposites don't really attract all that well for quality of life. Mm -hmm. And so even if he was really handsome, but we didn't, resonate. I didn't feel seen and known very easily. I was trying really hard to be understood. We were not going to fit. That's a good lesson. That is a good lesson. Because I've always heard opposites attracted. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's definitely a different perspective on that. Yeah. And they do. Opposites attract. It's hot. (laughs) Right. But we don't marry what's hot. We don't marry that man. Yeah, you go away for a weekend with that man. Right. Like, we don't marry the bad boys. We just have fun. Yeah. So, so, Wendy, going back to the to to the online dating, looking through the the profiles, even on Tinder, um, sometimes you know I'm on all of them. So look me up. I'm on all of them. But what is the number one mistake? It's probably with women. I mean, men as well. That women make with like their online profile photos and things like that. Well, with the photos, we'll put people in them. We'll put all kinds of people in them. We'll put old photos on. But the number one worst mistake ever is especially for women, is not having a full body shot. Oh. Now, if you have ever walked in to a first date and you have been looked up and down, and then when he met or he or she met your eyes and they frowned at you, you know what I'm talking about. And this actually having a real live full body shot of yourself where you can see the curves, where you can see where things are, Mm -hmm. can cut way down on bad dates and not being their type. Ooh. Current photo, no potato well, sack, no wedging your butt into that chair so half of it is missing. <laughs> and no filtering it to death. Yeah. Yeah. Should it be an everyday picture of what you look like or a picture of you all glammed up with the makeup and the hair done? Glammed up. Really? Oh, that's what you look like every day. But that's what you're going to get. You're going to get an everyday person. You're going to be like, oh, what happened? You washed your face? <laughs> well, and that's the thing. If you're an everyday person who never wears makeup, then you should represent how you are. Because he's going to be irritated when you're all glammed up and then you never show up to the date like that. And if you do glam up some and you like to do that, then... you and you also like to dress down, then have a couple of both. And, yeah, glammed up is good, right? Uh But then also you kind of want to, sometimes when they're so glammed up, aren't you looking at women going, what does she really look like? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You you can tell when it's Photoshopped and and it's not whitewashed. What do you call that? It's uh, photo, no, it's Photoshopped. Yeah, Photoshopped. Mm -hmm. Airbrushed, airbrushed. Airbrushed, filtered, all those words, yeah. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I like the everyday, I mean, the everyday picture because mm-hmm. there's something about I'm going to know what you look like. Um, I know you'll be look, look a 10 with makeup on, but nobody looks like that every day. We don't wake yeah. up in the morning with our face glammed up. You know, I know Beyonce said I woke up like this. Yes. Come on now. <laughs> 
I would love to see it, but she's so pretty without she her makeup is. on. Well, she is naturally beautiful. She is. Yeah. She okay. Is. Well, let, let me, I'm going to ask this question because I was just messaged on Facebook and I was told there was a cyst and dis, what, a cease and desist <laughs> order out on me. But I just oh. want to ask you, when is the right time to have sex for the first time in a new <laughs> relationship to have it turn into something more? Because I want to see what you're going to say first. All right. Well, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Women think there's an answer. I mean, books are written. You know, we got the rule says three days, and then back in the 90s, and then somewhere around the 2000s, it turned into the 30-day rule. Now Steve Harvey's got his 90-day rule. Right. Well, what is it, three days or 90 days? None of them. None of them are right. And the reason none of those rules are the right answer is because they're not your rule. Uh So you got to use your best practice, and you got to figure out when you're ready. And I don't care if it's the first hour, the first week, the first month, the first year, when you're married, all good. But what men have told me, and you can, you can weigh in on this, men t- tell me they hate it when we're waiting out of some sort of strategy, like Steve Harvey's rule, yeah. when you're both ready. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it feels, does it feel like she's strategizing and fake, right? Feel, uh, fake, immature, and this is going to continue throughout the relationship, yeah. Right, and they feel yeah, like and, and see, the thing that men don't understand is we are strategizing, but we're not doing it to be manipulative. We're doing it for the greater good of a relationship. The but greater good of what? it doesn't come that way. But, you know, I think what? men read the same books as we do. So if we say... If we, say we write them, yeah. Right. So <laughs> I think they know in 90 days, yes, I'm yeah. going to get some. You know? Okay. <laughs> the conversation needs to be had definitely on what the expectations are regarding sex. Mm. No? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, Absolutely. Do you believe that men are in- intimidated by successful women? No. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. Really? Really? No. The, okay. the men I talk to, are you intimidated by a successful woman? Are you intimidated? Well, Me? Are, yeah. It depends. Like, if it's Oprah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, how many, how many days of the toy. year are you hanging out with Oprah? Uh, exactly. Hopefully every day. Exactly. That, that's <laughs> yeah. my dream, but let me hear your answer. They're not intimidated. They're put off. Oh, okay. They're put off. And what men have told me over and over and over again is they, so let me just put it to you in, a, in language that you can understand. When mm-hmm. we're in our power and we're doing our kick-ass work, CEO hat, when we're doing it, we're dynamic. We're very dynamic. But we're not magnetic. We're not attracting them. We're dynamic. We're exciting. But there's no receptivity, and there's no draw to be closer to you. Mm-hmm. There's just this show, which can sometimes turn into competition, which is a huge mm-hmm. turnoff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That just when we're in our masculine in front of a man, the best you can do is get a client out of him. But you're not going to get a man looking to provide for you, to cherish you, to fall into you. It's not magnetic. So... It's the feminine part of us, our feminine power, our listening, our receptivity, our connection that is going to draw him in much, much faster than talking about all, all we've accomplished. And I'm not saying we have to dumb ourselves down. Oh, no, no. But that if we dwell on that all night about our Ph.D. or about mm-hmm. our CEO job, that's going to put him to sleep. Yeah. 
great, but I don't think that sometimes women dwell on what our compliments or our accolades. But sometimes when we meet a man and I say, I own my own business and um, I am going to be on a radio talk show as a, as a guest host or I'm a special guest on a dating relationship show, show called The Rules. So when I say these days, it's not that I'm tooting my own horn. I'm just letting you know I'm a person on the move and yeah. what I'm trying to accomplish. And sometimes when they hear that, they're like, oh, well, where, where do I fit in? Or am I going to, do you have time for me? Or she's really might move and I might not fit in her life. So I think that kind of is intimidating to some men. I don't know, not the right man, but some men are intimidated by that. Well, yeah, and he's just giving you a big opportunity to step in and say, well, yeah, I got this going, and here's what I am looking for. Here's who I do need to step into exactly. my life. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what's missing. I, don't, I, don't, I have it all together in my career, but I don't have everything handled that I need to be independent and never with a partner in my life. Mm-hmm. What I want a partner for is this. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm really busy, but you're definitely going to be able to get on my calendar within a week, not right. three. Right. Because if a man can't get on a woman's calendar for three Get on your calendar. so busy. Right. Yeah. It, we schedule things. Right. I, I agree with you on that one, Wendy. We schedule things. So you yeah. need to schedule me into your calendar. Right. Well, yeah. What? It's not all well, about y'all. Yeah. Oh, this is oh, this is 2016. Okay, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just free and available all the time, every night. <laughs> and I'm not sitting by my phone waiting for you to call. You're not. I'm not. I'm not. No. None of that's happening. Okay. We're so, busy. Okay. Right. So is Go that ahead. why? So Wendy, is that why it's taking you know men longer to commit? What's the reason then that you're finding that men are you know taking longer to commit? That's if they decide to do it. Right. If they're going to commit. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that. We know we all commit at different times, but overall, men when they commit, they commit to the whole package. Mm-hmm. You know, when when a man meets a woman and he really finds her attractive and she's funny and sweet and it's the first date, it it's like he's filling out the puzzle, the thousand piece puzzle. And on that first date, he might have the corner edges and a couple of, you know, couple of edge pieces, but he's got to start seeing: Do you have a matching future? Can I make mm. her happy? Mm-hmm. Like that. So when he does commit. He will commit to the whole ball of wax, including her flaws, mm-hmm. including her imperfections, where a woman, we will happily commit with things that we don't like that will then begin to work on changing. Mm. So we, we, we're better at that. Just in case you, you take didn't hear longer. that. We take, take longer, longer, but we're better. You think so? Just in case you didn't hear that, Raya. I didn't Just want to make sure. I think I, think I, I missed that I said better. I think it's different. Just my interpretation of it. I missed it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so the, your whole book, 121 mm-hmm. First Dates. So why do you think this book is so vital you know, to single women overall? I don't know. I'm kind of upset why you didn't consider the men when you wrote this book. I, think... I did consider the men, but I was speaking from my experience. Okay. Right? Okay. I, what, what am I going to give to the men? Y'all know how to. I've gotten a lot from what you said. I, I understand <laughs> y'all a picture. little bit better. Get your picture. We'll see. All the men can read it like a sneak peek into the mind of a woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I like. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So there uh, you go. But I think it's important for women because especially women over 30, we really are struggling these days, and our struggles are are a lot the same. Our struggles are all the same. Mm-hmm. I see patterns. I see themes in what I learned, in what my friends learned, in what my clients learned. It's cross races and ages from 30 on up all the way into 60s. I get clients in their 60s saying, well, it's different for me than a 35-year-old. A little, 
in certain areas, mm-hmm. but not really. I mean, we're having the same considerations and problems. So I have addressed a lot of that in my book, and I can cheerlead all along the way um, to keep women standing and walking out the door when they just want to quit. Oh, right. okay, okay. Right, some good, so, this is good information. Yeah, very good information. Yeah. I it's, have, it's great for women who have really not been finding what they're wanting and they're frustrated like I was for so many years, but it's also for women who maybe are coming out of a long-term divorce uh-huh. or a long-term relationship or a long-term marriage mm-hmm. where they're now divorced and they don't know how this crazy new online thing works, mm-hmm. and it's right. scary. So it's good for Me too, men too. I'm in the same situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was too. Yeah. All right. We're ready. You're, we're ready? No. I'm supporting you. Oh, you're supporting me? I'm going to coach you you on. Okay, okay. So from what I hear that, you know, uh, online dating is good. I'm already trying it, but I want my my co-host and my publicist to just get more into it. Um, But you, Wendy, you said you asked for me. Now, I know we were talking earlier about a a date Mm -hmm. I had this weekend, but how did you ask a man out? I never once asked a man out, ever. Ever, ever, ever. ever. And who pays Wendy? What? I never days? asked a man out. I know. I reached out to a lot of them. About 80% I reached out to. Mm-hmm. But I never once asked them out. So one of the things women do is they write their profile on weight. Oh, don't do that. You, no, no. Very, very low turnout for the waiting. Um, so you get some quality, but not a whole lot of quality if you're going to just sit back and wait. Mm-hmm. So you've got to reach out. But I never asked anybody out. I would reach out and say, hey, I see you like Oh. Me too. If you're interested, reach out. Or, hey, wow, you lived in Argentina for six months. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know about that. If you're interested, reach out. Mm-hmm. So oh, I would just drop out. a little line or two to let them know. Either. Basically, out of you know, 25 million people, I'm here. I think you're interesting. If you like me, ask me out. Right. So you spark the conversation. You'll get the conversation going, but he, the person, the guy needs to ask you out. Yeah. Yes. Because I needed that. Yes. If a woman needs to be in charge and she likes that, then she should ask him out. But that's not my thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is right. that frowned upon, upon men, do you think? How does a man feel when a woman asks him out? What do you think about I'm that? I'm thinking, if you ask me out. Would it make you I just, No. That wouldn't bother me. Okay. Now, if that led into something else where you were a little bit more d- demanding or controlling, then it would be an issue. But the, the initial mm-hmm. act of asking out, no. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me to marry you. Oh. I saw that in the commercial. <laughs> I did. I was like, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But, but Wendy, how can our listeners follow you and definitely get a copy of your book? Yeah, they can find me at Wendy Speaks. That's W-E-N-D-Y-S-P-E-A-K-S. Okay. And I got free stuff there. I got my book there. I got classes there. I got everything. There. That's right. You have workshops. Where, and they're usually located where? I do a really great eight-week teleclass, so you can be oh, anywhere. Awesome. And then I do classes all over the United States and Canada. Okay, and there are, what are the usual topics? I lead a dating workshop that's a live one that's coming up in San Francisco. Okay. I lead workshops on understanding men and, and dealing with your past sexual issues so you can be free. Oh, and I need And all that. kinds of workshops for women. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, well, Wendy, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Um, You've given us a lot of information. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, bye now. Bye-bye. Good information. Great information. It was good. Good.
All right. So are you going to date a little bit more online now? I'm hoping I'll meet him out in public. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. What, what do we put a pin in? That the, we... the friendship thing. Oh, yeah. Being okay. So, I, okay, so I, I'm going to have to change it. But a friend of mine okay. who was in a long-term relationship met that person because they were dating their best friend oh. at the time. Okay. And... A spark just happened. This sounds bad, actually, coming out of my mouth. A spark happened. But because you were best friends with that person, you knew that it was really nothing of quality, that it was just like somebody that they were just kicking with for the time. And nothing happened during that time, but it was established that there was an interest. Mm-hmm. So, But did that person ask permission first? Or do you have to ask permission? Or do you just do it? I mean, I... Now, if, it, if, it, if it's somebody who I just broke up with, then no. Okay. I think that's kind of off limits. Mm-hmm. But if somebody that you talked to a couple of years ago, then I don't have a, I don't think I have a problem with it. You have a problem with it? If you have a problem with it in a small community, you're going to be single all your life. No, don't say that. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I don't Nikki, want, what do you say? I don't want my girlfriend to date my ex. I'm going to say that's what I want. No, I don't. I don't. That's hands off. Right. Hands off. Hands off. That's taboo. You don't do that. Ever. 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 Don't date any of my exes. Ten years down the road. That's, I'm sorry. Really? That's bad There's a reason why he's the ex. Let me and you think. Knew, what goes and you know what I went through. That's, I mean, right. You knew what I... It's a girlfriend code. Yeah, it's a girlfriend code. You don't do that. You don't do that. I need to write this... I need you to that code Look, for y'all. What are you going to say exactly? I don't know. I just... To me, I mean, it was... I mean, I, I have friends who have dated people. Okay, so what about it that you were with? With. Like, we're just dated. Like we're on a couple of dates. We were kicking it. We're kicking it. Just hanging out. What's next? What's, okay. He was my personal benefit. Let's use that word that you maybe hooked up with. Okay. I, I, I don't. I still say I still, if I, if we had any kind of. Anything. Um, intimate moment or we just, we tried, if it didn't work out. I don't want you dating my ex. Maybe. I don't. Okay. I don't. Okay. I'm not there yet. Okay. All right, man. And I don't want to be honest. Guess I've been doing it wrong. Yeah. I'm not going to have I don't care. Really? Hey, you know him, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Those awkward moments. Well, yeah. <laughs> I can, I'm going to house awkward. Look, I'm going to be doing more. Uh-uh. I'm coming You know, you take somebody over the house. They already know where everything is. You're like, okay. Oh, yeah, I forgot y'all. Okay. Never been an issue, but okay. Oh, wow. Um, let's bring this up. So, okay. talking about relationships. So, let's say that you, you finally met somebody that you really are feeling. You dig in. Nice. Um, your parents and your friends don't like this person. Does it matter? You know, I would like to say it does not matter. Uh-huh. But um, if every nobody likes us, it's a problem. I must be overseeing something. I, I must have my blinders open um, on. But it... I don't need anybody's approval, but I need. I like to have the support from my family. Um, I, I'm family oriented. Uh-huh. I have a great relationship with my parents. Uh-huh. Um, hi, mom, dad. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I know. I have a great relationship with my parents, mm-hmm. and um, I, I would like for them to have a good relationship with who I'm dating because I spend a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. But I have boundaries with them with that also. Um, I don't know, Nikki. What do you say? Does it matter what the people think? It does, but at the end of the day, you're going to do whatever you want to do. Right. But your parents will tell you, I told you so. I told you so. we can see things that you can't see. Right. Right. If you're in the crane, you can't see the picture. Right. And I guess it depends on why they don't like them. Like, why don't they like them? Well, sometimes parents, they get that feeling. They have that discernment or they have that intuition. Mm -hmm. And it tells them, 
or they've seen that person before. Mm. They've seen their kind before. Mm-hmm. And they go, no, not my baby. Mm-hmm. You won't do the same thing to my... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's stereotyping right. or right. what. You have that gut instinct. Gut instinct, mm-hmm. yeah. What about you, Will? Um, I've been in that situation a lot of times. No, they'll get over it. Wait, wait, what just happened? So, you're, <laughs> I just want clarification. They'll get over it. Look, for the, for the listening audience, what uh-huh. about. So, your family, your family and your friends, nobody likes that person. Mm-hmm. And, and it's usually for, okay, hopefully my mom's not listening, my mom, my dad's not listening. Okay. Um, because growing up in my part of North Carolina, okay. um, it was like two sides of the tracks. Um. My mom was from, like, uh, uppity side of the track. Mm-hmm. And then my dad was from another side. Mm-hmm. My dad's side of the family were, were darker people. Okay. And then my mom's side was lighter people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for some reason, I've always been attracted to darker skin tones. Okay. Um, and my mom, and, like, when I take them to North Carolina, mm-hmm. my, my mom's side of the family would treat them so wrong. I mean, it didn't bother me. They eventually grew to love, you know, mm-hmm. whoever I was with, but... They and they've had made jokes about you know stuff like that, and I was like, it didn't bother me. Right. Um, I've had friends who've been like, you know, I know something about that person, and you know, you shouldn't talk to them. Mm-hmm. I'm a different person; it's a different situation. I can't go back, like you said, and say, you know, why didn't y'all tell me? Because it right. did warn me. But I've always been really liberal about that. Right. Um, it's never bothered me. Right. That might also mean why I'm kind of in and out of relationships lately, these little rebound <laughs> right. relationships. Right. Maybe I need to listen a little bit more. Right. right. Huh. But are you, look, I mean, I guess it depends. Are you dating a person just to have fun or are you looking, are you dating to marry? It, look, it depends upon your why. I am 160 years old. I am <laughs> dating. I tell everybody, look, I'm not in this to be doing a whole bunch of little mini dates and mm-hmm. stuff like that. My goal is to settle down. That's where right. I'm headed to. Right. Um, so if you think this is just going to be a fly-by-night, you mm-hmm. spend all my money, blah, 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 the wrong person, wrong right. time. Right. Should have caught me like 20 years ago. I know, that's right. But yeah. Um, our next guest is going to call in soon, Mr. Guy Anthony. Um, he's a young guy who is diagnosed with HIV as a teen, mm-hmm. um, and right now he's a well-respected HIV and AIDS activist. Um, he's written a book. Um, this is him, actually. actually. We're going to call in. So, um, Mr. Guy Anthony... Welcome to the show. How are you, guy? Hey, how are you? Doing well. We were just introducing you. But you know what? I'll let you do that yourself. I'll let you do that. Mr. Guy Anthony, tell everybody who you are, sir. Oh, okay. We're going right into it. I love yeah. it. Um, my name is Guy Anthony. I am a community mobilizer. I do some um, consulting for some pharmaceutical companies. Um, I'm the president, CEO, and uh, I guess founder, yeah. yeah. Founder of Black, uh, Black Gifted and Whole. Um, and which is a nonprofit here in DC. And uh, what else do I wrote a book called Positively Beautiful? I do some rapping, some singing, just everything, man. That's, I try. That's awesome. <laughs> so, your whole platform, Thank you, you, you want to remove yes. the stigma of HIV and AIDS? I do. Yes, right. I was um, infected with HIV at age 19 through sexual assault. Um, okay. And what's so interesting now is that obviously I never even told anybody that it happened, especially you know, um, any police officers or any law because I didn't feel as if I was worth saving. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've sort of spent the, my entire life trying to or at least get other young black gay men to understand and know that they are worth saving. And so that's what I've been able to do through Black Gifted and Whole, my initiative, my nonprofit, um, what I've been able to do, you know, for being the face of a couple of these pharmaceutical company ads 
and also um, what I've been doing with the White House and National Black Justice Coalition, mm -hmm. just really trying to go into these high schools, meet young black gay men, and affirm them where they are and create a pipeline and some support for them when they leave um, high school. Nice. I like how you turn your pain into purpose. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I, I did. You know, it, it was quite difficult. Um, but I, I definitely believe in having a support system. It may not be the support system that you were born with, but mm -hmm. it's the support system that you create. And I am, you know, very big on being as cordial, as nice to everyone that I come in contact with because of the energy transference. And that keeps my spirits high. And so I really believe me doing this work also is helping to save my own life. Nice, nice. So um, June 27th was actually National HIV Testing Day. Yeah. How did yes, everything yes. go? Well, it went well. I So I like to sort of do things off the cuff. I wanted to partner with a historically black college and university and sort of bring light to the fact that knowing your status is cool. It's okay to know your status. People are getting tested for STDs and HIV all the time. But also sort of being on that campus I am the first person that um, one of these students will probably ever meet mm -hmm. or have ever met with mm -hmm. HIV. Mm -hmm. So how about I bring it to the campus? I can show you what it looks like to live and to thrive with this disease. So get out of your head on how it can be transmitted, um, you know, what a person living with HIV looks like, and touch me, look at me, see me smiling, see me thriving see what an actual manifestation of turning a really bad negative into a positive can look like. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully that inspires someone to take, you know, um, take ownership and agency of their own sexual health. That's all it's about. They're not coming into high schools talking to black gay men about how to have sex with other black gay men. Right. So we are often largely left out of the conversation. And so I think what I'm trying to do and what my organization is doing is we're bringing black gay men into the conversation and saying, you don't need to be separated. You are a black man. Mm -hmm. Regardless of your sexuality, regardless of your serial status, you are still a black man, and there's power in being a black man. Wow. Well, and you're so, trying, you were trying to establish that at, like, some of the Pride events, right? Yes. How, yes. How, how, was that successful? Did you do that at the D.C. Pride in May? It was not successful. You, you would be surprised mm -hmm. at how many black gay men are not interested in learning about their own status. Mm -hmm. And or if they are HIV positive, you'd be surprised how difficult it is to get them in one room with each other. That's because of the stigma. It is. It's because of the stigma. I often Why say is that, that still there? Well, I mean, we have to go back to the church, right? So okay. let's be let's be let's be honest. There we you go. Know, growing up in our black churches, we are taught that our lifestyles are an abomination. Right. They're not only a sin, they are the worst type of The sin. worst. Mm -hmm. The worst. And so I can sort of identify with this, too, because I grew up in a very religious family. And mm -hmm. so even to this day, I'm oh, my face is on billboards and, and bus stops. But my mother and I, we never talk about my gayness mm -hmm. or my HIV. How do you and think, so what? That, How do you think your parents uh, feel? You know, um, we've gotten into a much better place. Okay. I, I, I must say, you know, my mother is Bible Belt all the way. You mm -hmm. hear me? Mm -hmm. um, but she respects me, and I and that's what I that's what I fight for. You don't have to agree with my mm -hmm. lifestyle. You don't have to like it, but you have to respect me. Mm -hmm. And so I think once my mother realized that, okay, guy is no joke. He takes care of himself. Mm -hmm. You know, he takes care of himself well. And he demands respect. And so that in initially, that changes our relationship. That changes the power dynamic. Mm 
because I'm not necessarily just looking for you for inspiration or love. No, I have that. I'm saying you can be a part of this world. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what is missing from people living with HIV. They're not really standing up and saying, no, you will respect me. You will love me because there's nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. But you know what? That's that's the conversation that we need to sort of be having and shifting what HIV looks like. Okay. That's externally. But even within the community, there's still those stigmas stigmas going around. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. In well, the community. I think it, it, it all, it, it boils down to access, right? So I live in D.C., and I've lived in L.A., and I've lived in Philly, and I've also um, lived in um, Atlanta. And so in all of those different spaces that I live, I deal with the same black gay men. They mm-hmm. all pretty much look alike, but the level of access is different. The conversations that we are having about HIV are not being had in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not mm-hmm. being had in rural Georgia. Right. They're not being had in these red states that have not expanded Medicaid. Mm-hmm. So do you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. it's a systemic error on us. It's not necess- I'm not putting all the blame on black people. God, how can I? I mean, 300 years enslaved, hello. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, a lot of it is systemic, right? And so there are 32 states right now that I can go to jail for not disclosing my HIV status to a partner. Say that again? There are 32 states right now that I can go to jail for not disclosing my HIV status to a partner. And let me break that down in a little bit of context, right? And so I have a really good friend. His name is Robert Suttle. When you guys get a chance, Google him. He's an awesome guy. Mm -hmm. And he was jailed, I believe, up to eight months because his partner sort of well, was upset that they decided to break up and Robert has HIV and the partner does not. Uh-huh. And so the partner goes to the police in New Orleans, well, in Baton Rouge and, you know, files a police report, says that, you know, this guy tried to give him HIV. Although he never seroconverted, uh-huh. my friend was jailed for eight months for, wow. Endang- wow. for endangerment. Wow. So, so it's systemic stigma, too. It's not necessarily just the way that we think, but it's also, oh, I'm not going to say anything because I can possibly be jailed for this. So, so if, it's deeper. So if you let the person know prior to your status yes. and yes. they consent and say, I still want to date you, and later yes. on they become upset, they can go file papers in the court and, and yes. sue Wow. Now, some 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 states won't uphold it, right? Like mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe like New Jersey or something. They have a lot of stuff going on. But in the in the place like the South, where racism still exists mm-hmm. greatly, I mean, it, ex- it it exists in the North. But you know, when you go down to certain uh, rural parts of Georgia, you can see the difference. And so, in certain places like Louisiana, they will follow through with that. They are a red state. They are not expanding their Medicaid. They have no time for people living with HIV because they are still driven by the Bible. It's a fundamentalist society. And so, you know, it's it's a lot of stuff as to why people don't disclose. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's all about the education and the access of that person living with that disease. So they can know what their rights are. I am sitting here actually shocked because I, I'm I'm surprised I'm ignorant to the fact. So you said it's 32 states. I thought it's about it was 31, 32, um, 32 states, and they all in those states have statues um, that now, mind you, all of them don't you know um, include jail time, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that those laws are still on the books—that's the problem. 
just 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 in case you get a judge that wants to uphold it or has some sort of idea about homosexuality mm-hmm. or a negative idea, he may be the one to actually uphold that statute. Okay. Because I just thought it was a general rule that you had to do that. So you, there is no law that says that you have to disclose that. No, no because those laws aren't based on science. Those laws were put into place about 30 years ago oh. when it actually was deadly to have HIV and not tell someone because people were dying like flies. Oh, got you. So do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do and, and what you know, a lot of my friends here in D.C. on the Hill, since we're in such close proximity to the Hill, mm-hmm. is sort of get those laws changed. Oh. But it's difficult because those laws are 30 years old. And mm-hmm. so people are like, well, you know, no one really wants to tackle the HIV topic, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Mm-hmm. No one wants to. Ta- it's very sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so there are certain people that I talk to that are my friends that say, well, guy, I think he should have been jailed. And so it, it really, even in 2016, with so many different bi- biomedical research, uh, PrEP, mm-hmm. PEP, all of those things here where people are saying, no, you can live a long life and you don't die when you get this disease now. Right. There's mm-hmm. still those laws that say, well, uh, we don't want to go there. Mm. Wow. So not only are we, you know, are we fighting people like me that are living with HIV, not only are we fighting like, you know, a social battle, a civil battle with other people, we're also fighting a systemic battle because just because D.C. doesn't have it. But guess what? Maryland and Virginia both have those laws. On do people. they? Wow. Yes, I'm not they surprised do. Virginia does. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Virginia, of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we are. Yeah. They are fighting the expansion of Medicaid with all their might. So, you know, it's just those kind of things that sort of that that means that um, my fight is not done. I still have friends dying from pneumonia, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, related to HIV. So I know that my work is far from over. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, what? I have uh, 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 I'm a lot of friends who live with the with the disease who are not as vocal, who are not as proactive as you are. What what? Aside from you having the disease, what prompted yeah. you to want to be um, a, an activist for it mm-hmm. well, so, on such you know, a large I like call, scale? I like to call myself an activist, right? An artist. <laughs> I mean, because I'm I'm an artist first. Like, let's be clear. Like, I went to school for 12 years for theater, for dance. Oh, wow. I'm, a, I'm a theater geek. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a rapper. I, I sing. So these are all the things. I'm into fashion. I went to school for fashion, too. So these are all the things that I was immersed in before I became positive. Mm-hmm. So when people really meet me and look at me, I was a good kid, right? I mean, I was molested as a child, but ultimately, you know, I did good work. I never got in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, ma'am. No, sir. That kind of thing. Um, and I was sexually assaulted. So that changed the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. And so there are so many people that were like me that were like, well, I wasn't sexually promiscuous and not saying that that's the only way that you can contract HIV, mm-hmm. but that's the stigma related to it that you have to be this promiscuous person. Mm-hmm. And so I when I found out that I was um, HIV positive, I moved to Atlanta um, and I really wanted to immerse myself in black culture. Mm -hmm. And so I started volunteering at a local aid service organization because I didn't have health care. And in my mind, if I volunteer at a space that sort of promotes this, then I can meet someone, you know, use my gift gift of the gap and be connected to some health care because I knew I wanted to live with this disease. You know, I know I didn't want to die. I had attempted suicide a while ago. God kept me here for a reason, so I needed to figure out what that reason was. Mm-hmm. And then so 
after one day in particular, I was having a cocktail party at my house with, you know, with one of my roommates. And at that time, there were like six or seven of my best friends there. And each of us had HIV, but neither, neither of any of them knew it. Mm-hmm. They all had told me because I was open about my status, but the others didn't know of each other's status. So that's seven black gay men in one space with HIV, right. and nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I'm going to write a book about it. Right. And I say, I have to be fearless enough because I tried to do research on Emory's campus. I went to Morehouse. I even went to Clark and Spelman, you know, just really looking for literature that spoke to my existence and there was nothing there Mm -hmm. was nothing Mm y'all the closest i found was a book by lettuce that essence magazine had written that was it and so i figured well i should tell some of these stories of my friends of other black gay men that are that are not dying they're not sitting home you know wasting away they're dating you know they have great sex lives they have great careers they they're in school they look amazing I wanted to tell those stories. And so Positively Beautiful was sort of born from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's a book of what you, you interview people or how, what is the book? Well, it's a book of affirmations. One of my readers called it an almanac because it's, it has like anecdotes. It has stories. Um, there are uh, three of us that I uh, featured in the book. And we all serial converted in different ways. So that means we all contracted HIV in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be clear that I wanted to tell these stories from a place of vitality and not morbidity. We ain't talking about death in this book. We're talking about all the, and so the way that we sort of buried the stigma to the disease is I asked, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I asked each of them to write a letter to themselves pre-diagnosis. And so that was you identifying what happened, how you felt in that moment, and you are burying that. Mm. And so I raised thirteen hundred dollars through a crowdfunding campaign. Wow! My fr- yeah, my friend. In a month, in a month, that lets you know that people are interested mm-hmm. about hearing these stories of people mm-hmm. that are infected and affected with this disease. But um, my therapist at the time, he wrote a, a small chapter in the book. My mentor, he wrote the foreword. I met a man online that had this amazing story. I let him put his poetry in the book. Um, and my friend, who is like a top um, graphic designer in Atlanta, who would charge someone like $3,500, mm-hmm. did my entire book format for free because he wow. believed in my message. Nice. And so... I re- like I can speak to the power of making people feel connected mm-hmm. to a cause, and so you walk in your purpose. Sort of, mm-hmm. I, I'm walking in my purpose. Yes, you are. It's scary. It's so scary. You know, it's it's beautiful and it's scary because there is no, um, uh, you know, there is no groundwork laid out for me in the sense of what I want to tr- do has yeah. never been done. Trailblazer. Mm-hmm. You, you know, but when you're in when you're in the trenches, you don't look at it as trailblazing. You look at it as life or death. Mm-hmm. Right. And one thing I want to say is I never hear heard you say why me. Um, oh, despite yeah, no. you know how you contracted HIV, you're not yeah. set, you're not having you don't have pity upon yourself. You definitely and I, and I want to be clear you. that that took me a while to get here. Okay. okay. <laughs> so there was drug abuse. Um, mm-hmm. I was addicted to cocaine while living in LA for three years. Mm-hmm. Literally, what it what took me out of LA was I was robbed and tied up at gunpoint going to visit a friend. Wow. So that woke me up. And and after that happened, my parents sent me a one-way ticket back home to Detroit to just, you know, like 
readjust to life because the drug addiction and being robbed and tied up at gunpoint, it, it's quite traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a while, I dealt with and I internalized my diagnosis and everything for five years before I told a soul. So I think it's, you know, although I can speak openly and honestly and transparently now, I think it's important for me to, you know, make note that it took me a very long time to deal with those feelings. Mm -hmm. My parents and I didn't speak for a while. She just could not deal. And so these, you lose a lot, but you also gain so much more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then your organization, the Black Gifted and Whole Organization. Tell us about, tell us about that. And I know you gave away your first scholarship. Yes, man. I'm smiling. I wish you could see me. I'm so excited about that. No, because it was a labor of love, and I never thought that it would be an actual nonprofit, you know. Um, But um, last year, well, about a year and a half ago, my friend and I, we were watching Black Girls Rock. And I was like, you know what? There is nothing. No, he texted me, and he said, you know what? Black boy, you rock. And I texted him back, and I said, Black boy, you rock. And then the next text was, well, this is our organization. We need to, you know, have an event, blah, 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 blah. So we had some pushback with Black Boys Rock, the name, because there was already an organization um, with that name. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I came up with Black Gifted and Whole after seeing this piece by um, three black doctors, black gay doctors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. And, and they're dear friends of mine now. But Dr. Mel Branch, um, he actually was the first person to connect me to um, a great doctor in Atlanta. So I just want to plug that out. But, okay. You know, I watched that and I just wanted to turn that piece into a production and honor and celebrate black gay men everywhere, regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of your education. I just wanted to celebrate you, especially if you're doing great work in the community. And that's what we did. And so we honored eight black gay men from different walks of life. And we had this amazing, spectacular production here in D.C. And it was attended by 350 black gay men and allies. Man, do you understand? Like, and we had three months to plan it because, you know, we had to get sponsorship and, you know, it, it was it was truly a labor of love. But I say all that to say, after that, the outpouring of love from our community, mm-hmm. of everyone saying, we need this to be something. Yes. And, and so it, I created it and, and I enlisted all of my best friends or all of my great friends who I respect and admire to mm-hmm. form a board. And we raised money. We've raised about $6,000 since January on our own without any corporations or any grants. And so we're giving away $2,000 to a young black gay man named Jawan, who we got into Morehouse College. Awesome. (laughs) So you have to be emotional to be standing there in front of all those people. This is your vision. You started from basically just finding that you were infected, knew that you had a purpose to help other people. What, what, What were you feeling when you walked into the event? And you saw all the the support that you had gotten. Was it overwhelming? It was quite overwhelming. I cried that night. I can imagine. Yeah. I was on such a high because so many people had said, guy, I had never seen anything like this before ever. Yeah. Because not only did we, you know, um, honor, you know, strong black gay men in our community, we also had um, performing arts involved, which is also, a, you know, a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a black uh, gay opera singer opened up the show. Really? Like, what? People didn't even know that black gay men are into opera or sing opera, but I wanted to say, yes, we are, and yes, we do. 
Wow. We're, we're, we're multifaceted and, and, you know, there's a nuance that you have to talk about when you talk about, you know, black gay men and the black community in general. We right. are so much more than what uh, the media portrays us as. Right. And so Black Gift and Whole is a direct, you know, combat to what the media is portraying black and gay to be. And we're saying, no, we're this, we're this, we're, we're all of that, but we're this too. So. Well, you know what, guy. While we're talking, my publicist is also—I think she has this on Facebook Live. But we have some people oh. who are commenting on Facebook, and we have a question that came in. It says, "For those of us that are uninformed, why should it not be required to inform partners about HIV status?" What's your answer for that? Well, um, I think that sexual health is a two-part conversation. I think that. I, before I have sex with you, I need to ask any questions that I need to ask, and I also need to protect myself. I think it is my duty as a human being to protect myself. You know, if someone comes up to me um, or, or is approaching me when I'm opening my door or something and I, and I have a gun and I have a CCW, I'm going to protect myself. And so I think anytime anybody comes at you with an unprotected penis or you, you need to protect yourself okay. because you don't know. And so I just think that, you know, sexual health is a twofold conversation of me protecting myself and you protecting yourself. Now, do I think that, you know, um, positive people, you know, should we uh, disclose? I do. I mean, I disclose off rip because ultimately I want you to know exactly who I am, you know, before anything sexual happens. And you so do it when you first point, meet them, though? Well, I mean, it's kind of hard now because people Google you and then they'll bring your HIV <laughs> okay. status to yeah. the dinner. You, you or drive past your picture at the bus stop on the billboard. Yes. Right. Yeah. No, that happened to me literally the other night. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, I, I just think that sexual health is a conversation that, you know, people should start talking about. Too often they wait until after or when they're drunk to, you know, and they really let their guard down. And I just think that having those conversations, making sure that you are also tested every three to six months is important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, go to, you go to the doctor to get checkups. I mean, I just think that conversations should definitely be had before any unprotected sex, anything happens in, in regarding that matter. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in your situation, how do you talk to people to let them know that it's okay? You know, people who have fears, may, who may not, who may come from those areas where there's not a lot of um, education about the topic. Um, how do yeah. you let them know, you know, they think it's a death sentence or something like that? Yeah. How do you ease their fears and let them know that, you know, it's okay? What, what's worked for you? I'm a, I'm a walking testament. I was a um, treatment adherence counselor for two years at a local um, aid service organization here, and I dealt with over 60 HIV positive men, women, trans men, trans women, all from the ages of 16 to 66. Wow. Right. And so I am a walking, talking, breathing example of what happens when you take care of yourself. Right. And, and I mean, and, and, and I just think that, you know, it, it's not about anybody else or how people may feel about you. Let's be clear. You do not have to disclose. I, I think, you know, if you're not having um, unprotected sex with anyone or if you guys are just dating, you do not owe anyone to disclose your HIV status to them. Okay. You do not owe anybody that. Right. Uh -huh. I don't owe you that. Um, if I'm your friend, I don't owe me, you know, owe you to tell you that my mom died. You know what I'm saying? So right. I just think that when it when it's pertinent, yes, but I, I want people to be empowered. So it's not about disclosing or not disclosing. I just want you to feel empowered with that choice. Mm -hmm. And if you can feel comfortable with that choice that you've made, then you, that's your choice. That's your decision. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. We have, we have another question? Let me see. My publicist, her writing. No, I say Remind me to talk to her about her writing. You're right. Um, it says, why, it is a pro- why is it a problem that there are laws on the books that can send somebody to prison for failing to inform? Well, because look, look what just happened to my friend. I think Robert Soto is a prime example of why those laws shouldn't exist. He didn't, he didn't transmit HIV to this man at all. Mm-hmm. And he was still jailed. So... Or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm confused. And they were together, and the partner knew. Oh, so I, you know. Yeah. So yes, the partner knew he was HIV positive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. if I, it's me against you, right? I'm going to the police, and you know, damn, the Mississippi Delta telling them that this man is trying to kill me with HIV. Right. And he didn't tell me. They're gonna lock you up. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So th- that's why those laws shouldn't exist because people are unfairly jailed. And, you know, at alarming rates, I, you know, I really want you guys to, when we have this conversation and the people that are listening, I really want them to look into HIV criminalization laws and the stigmatization around those laws and how everyday people are being jailed for crazy amounts of time mm-hmm. for not disclosing their status. When, in fact, research and data and statistics, epidemiology data right now will tell you that people are not dying at the rates that they were dying right. from HIV. Right. And there are antiretrovirals that can stop that process. Right. It's, it's, it's classified as just a chronic illness, right? No? It is a chronic illness. I mean, it is a chronic illness, but I often tell people, because sometimes they say, it's just like diabetes. Sweetie, I can't, <laughs> go to jail for, I can't go to jail for not telling you I have diabetes. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I like to frame it in that context. Yes, it is a chronic illness, and I, and I, and I think... Sometimes the health systems we've done a disservice by telling people that they they can live long and you know mm-hmm. you know healthy lives because I think it's not a pressing issue to them anymore. Yeah. In the eighties and the nineties, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. People dying daily, weekly from this disease. It was all over New York Times, all over the gay magazines, and now it's not so much. Mm-hmm. So people think, oh, okay. You know, it's cool. I can I can live. I can get HIV. I can get it, some housing or better insurance. And that is why young black gay men are um, being infected at alarming rates. Is I, I think we're, you know, doing them just a bit of a disservice by not telling them how imperative it is to take care of yourself in terms of sexual health. Exactly. A, a good friend and I were talking, and we were talking about the rate of, like, young, young people, um, teenagers, yeah. young and um, preteens. Um, and he yeah. was saying that he thinks it's because they're, they're somewhat watering down the seriousness mm-hmm. of the issue, like you were saying, like yeah. it's just like diabetes and things like that, and they're getting the wrong yeah. impression of it, or they're normalizing yeah. things. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. And I, I know, I, agree. I know you had mentioned earlier that uh, people shouldn't reveal their status until they have unprotected sex. Or do you think that if you're dating someone in general and you know your things are going well, you, yeah. should you tell your status? during that time or do you I really think, just wait until you're about to have sex well you know i think when people find out that it's serious um mm-hmm. at this place that i used to work at here in dc we provided like couples counseling and couples mm-hmm. testing so you know we there's grants out there that encourage and that you know pay for couples to come and get tested together so i think the messaging really is about empowering them and not making them afraid to go get tested right. you know like go get like it's everybody's doing it. Like my mom, go get the mammogram, Mm -hmm. like go get tested, you know? And if you don't want to go get tested alone, let's get, go, let's go together. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think that's what I usually recommend. And it is successful. I've seen a lot of couples come in to receive testing together. You know, one of them may look a little nervous in the waiting room while the others get tested. <laughs> <laughs> right, because there's tests now that it's like almost instant, right? Swab, is it swab the inside of yeah, your cheek? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, you could do uh, the oral shore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's quick and, you know, um, people can go in together and if one is or does test positive, they have couples counseling for those couples to mm-hmm. say, you know, anything could have happened, you know, or let, why did I test positive and you're still negative? Like, what's the situation? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So I just think couples counseling and, but I mean, I don't know if people are that empowered to go as a couple or if people are even claiming them, claiming each other these days, you know, with situationships, you never really know right. if you're with someone right. or not. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. And we know that you're also versed on a lot of issues um, within the LGBTQ community. How did you feel? How how did Orlando affect you? Oh, it affected me greatly because, and I'll give you some personal, like two years ago, I went to a um, HIV AIDS related conference in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the club, Pulse was the club that all the gay guys went to oh. that were here for the conference. Literally, some of my best friends hanging out, partying. I didn't go that night. Um, Cause I'm not a clubber, mm-hmm. but you know, I, my friends, they were in there dancing their lives away. And all I could think about was that could have been my friend. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so it re- it deeply affected me on a level, you know, cause not only um, are my friends dying of HIV or not only are they committing suicide because they're so depressed because their families don't love them. Um, but they are also being targeted in spaces that they are, that they feel most safe and mm-hmm. secure. Mm-hmm. That's what's scary to me is because I can be really in an, uh, a space being so affirmed and loved and getting my life, and I could possibly have that taken away from me. Wow. So not only am I ostracized and stigmatized because I'm HIV positive, mm-hmm. but also because I'm gay. So it's just like I'm targeted everywhere I go, and I'm a black man. Yeah. Hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a walking target. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you are. Literally. So-, so that's why I do this for my community, for my young black babies, like for my young boys who were molested, you mm-hmm. know, like me, right? Mm-hmm. Who will never, ever be able to talk about it because there's no one that will listen. Right. That, this is why I do it. I do it for them. For, for those of us that have bipolar disorder or suffering from depression, because that is me too. And most day, in a lot of days, I don't feel like I can get up and do it, but I know I have to. So I do it for them. Mm-hmm. So it's just, a, you know, a lot of people I do it for, man. That's awesome. So I have, I have one last question for you. So with the direction that the country is going in, you know, we have gay marriage legal in all the states. Um, we have on the table now the issues with the bathroom issues with mm-hmm. the transgender. What do you feel? Do you think we're going in the good direction? Do you think we have a long way to go? What's your thoughts on the, the, the oh. way that the country is going with the, the LGBTQ issues? I mean, look how much pushback they got from, transgenders you know using the bathroom yeah i mean let's be clear you have been using the bathroom with transgender individuals forever you just don't know it so what's the difference trust me i've been in spaces and and transgender women are not using my bathroom Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're using the ladies bathroom yeah and so now that it's into law now everybody there's an outcry Uh so you know so 
every time we sort of take a step forward, we, we really get pushed back 10 times, 10 mm -hmm. steps backwards. Mm -hmm. And then God forbid if Donald Trump is our president, I'm, I'm getting an Uber to Africa. Don't say that, okay? Here. Please get one that will hold both of I'm us. I'm going to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Montreal, right? Yes. Right. Canada's going to be on the wall. They're not letting us over there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm from Detroit, so that's a hop, skip, and a drop. I'm right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we are making great strides, but I think that there is a lot of um, stigma still here. There's, oh God, so much racism. I experience it mm -hmm. daily. Getting Even just sitting on the metro here in D.C., I've been, I've been doing a study secretly that if I'm, you know, if I'm sitting on a metro and there's like a white guy sitting on the metro and there are, and I have the only seat available on that metro and that white person walks on that train, they are not sitting next to me. Uh, yeah. They won't. They sure won't. I've, That's I've fine. Been doing this study for three. I mean, stand, but but you know what? I don't mind standing. I don't mind them standing because my black is beautiful. But do people understand that how much that is violent on who you are? Yeah. Or if I'm walking behind a white person and my bag is actually more expensive than her bag, mm -hmm, of course, her pearls because she thinks I'm going to steal her bag or she's you know continuously looking behind me. So it feels like I'm always being victimized when, when they're not even trying to target me. Yeah. I'm targeting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just like that's violence. That's PTSD from slavery. Mm -hmm. That's colonization. Those are all the things that black queer and black straight bodies are experiencing daily. And I think we need to uh, black uh, mental health day. So I'm, peti I like <laughs> I'm that. petitioning. I like that. Next week, anyone of the African diaspora, we take Tuesday off. Okay. <laughs> I'm there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we need a break. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We need a break. Yes. I want to thank you for coming on the show. World's greatest publicist, Nikki Curry, is in the, in the studio. She uh, sends her love to you. Yes. Thank you, So guys. I want to thank her for organizing this interview. Um, how can our listeners follow you, all the things that you're doing? Um, share yeah. some of your contact information, social media. For sure. So on Facebook, I have two. I have a fan page and I have my regular page. I, I, I'm not accepting any more people on my regular page because I'm at my max. So I'm just sort of redirecting people to my fan page. Okay. Um, I am Guy Anthony. Um, or you can re, uh, reach me on my website at IamGuyAnthony.com. My Twitter and Instagram, both I am Guy Anthony. Um, right. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm go lucky. Like I'm, I answer questions. You inbox me. I swear to you, there's not been one person that I've ever met that i'm never not responded to awesome this is the this is my work you know so, awesome well thank you thank you so much thank for coming on and being so transparent yes this i appreciate thank that. you thank guys you. for having thank you guys for doing the work and having this conversation you're yes. welcome okay. you're welcome have a good Thanks, evening guys. you too all right bye-bye right. bye. Very good. That was great. Yeah. Great. I was definitely educated. Yes. Great. I was. I was. So we have a few more minutes. What else are we going to talk about? This relationship thing has gotten me going. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. We've talked about me dating my best friend's right. ex, but you know what? It lasted for 16 years. Six, that's, yeah. That's and then I'm going to push the envelope. This 90-day thing, I got it on the first night. So I'm saying, and it you know, lasted it's still 16 years. 16 years. That's good. So that's good throughout yeah. 16 years. That says a lot about me. <laughs> did you break up at any point in time during the 16 years? Okay, now you're getting personal. But yeah, oh, okay. we did. Okay. No. <laughs> we broke up about three times. Probably but no longer than a month. Okay. Okay. No, three times. Yeah, about three times. Mm-hmm. Through three, you know, mm, same. 20. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, but yeah, that was it. Yeah. So, um, let me see. So, you already told me that knowing God right. 
right. is important for you when you know speak when you want to get to know someone. Right. Um, a turn off is or a deal breaker is was them not having a relationship. And right. then what else? Um, I guess lack of financial stability. That is important to me. Oh. I'm not sound like I'm not a gold digger by any means. You know what that when you said that that it was up in this. T- top of my brain right well, over here I, let me explain i okay. think that um financial security is definitely important to me uh-huh. and i have dated men before who were not financially secure uh-huh. um and it caused a problem in our relationship because i had money and i was able to do things right. and they could they could not and even when i was like oh don't worry i'll treat to something a low-cost event um it, it became an issue later on down the road. So money matters in a relationship. It does. Money does matter. And I know I'm not going to take care of you, so financial stability is important. Huh. Okay. All right. Do you think there's a perfect relationship? No. I think that um, there is growth. Relationships are work, and we have to stay in tune with one another. And I believe in doing check-ins sporadically. And I want you to be honest. What's working where you, what's not? Where do you see yourself? Where do you want to see this relationship grow uh-huh. in maybe six months? And just constantly checking in with one another. Because if if not, you'll wake up in a year, two, three years later, and you don't even know you who the person is. Yeah. You have no idea. You grow So constant check-ins are important. Yes. yes. And that requires both parties to be honest. Right. Right. No matter if it does hurt my feelings. Right, exactly. I mean, whether it is I'm not performing well in the bedroom mm-hmm. or if it's finances or you're not cooking. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't speak, if I'm not telling you what I need, things are going to fall off. A small crap mm-hmm. and turns into a huge pothole. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, your, your relationship is over. Yeah. And I, I think one of my issues was that I overlooked those things. I didn't right. do the check-ins. And in my mind, I was like, well, you know what? That's small. And, you know, because we've been in a relationship so long, that that shouldn't be important. It shouldn't be important that I no longer get these notes in my car anymore, right. these good morning notes. Right. You know, and in the end, looking back, those were things that really, to me, mattered. Right. Those little small things. Right. And it's the things that we start off with, you got to finish You have to finish Don't with. do these. They don't give me flowers. Don't give yeah. me notes. Don't give me the good morning texts. And then a year, like six months later, you got me. Nothing. Nothing. Like, I'm looking for the, like, hello? Yeah. I'm like, I paid my bill. What is going on with my cell phone? Oh, exactly. No email? Nothing? Yeah. We get comfortable. And we, and I think that we get complacent and expect that person to always be there. Uh-huh. And that's not how relationships work. Okay. They All work. Right. It's like another job. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so what's next for you? What's next for me? Oh. Five years. What, what, what's going to be going on with Ray? Um, I would like to see myself. Um, honestly, I want to have my own t- um, television. I see show. that for you. Um, I, I see that for I you. Have, um, I have a platform. Okay. And I have a voice. Um, my life has been filled with ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And I have been taught to manage life. Mm-hmm. Um, I have definitely turned my pain into purpose mm-hmm. and I would love to continue inspiring people to help them manage life and learn to love life again. Mm-hmm. I have a very strong personality. Yes, you do. And, um, I love what I do. Uh-huh. I do. I found what, What's my your purpose. platform? What is your, I don't know. Did you share your story? I did. I have not sh- shared what my story. What is your story, oh, girl? Gosh. Give me, you got, let me see. You uh, got about three minutes to share your story with me. Oh, gosh. You know, you're putting me on a spot. <laughs> this, this is a great... Just this, speak from the heart. Um, my story is I um, graduated from Virginia State University mm-hmm. with my undergrad, went to um, Norfolk State, and thought that I got this grad, this graduate degree, and I want to take the world by storm. Right. Okay. Life tricked me up. Uh-huh. Um, financially struggling. Mm-hmm. I worked t- um, two jobs for 12 years. Um, I ended up getting a job in Fredericksburg. 
uh-huh. doing something that was my passion, working um, juvenile drug court, uh-huh. and I was a supervisor of the program, working with juveniles who have a substance abuse issue. Okay. So I thought I was going to come up there and run the world. Yes. But God had different plans for me. Okay. He did a number on me. Won't, and, he? Won't um, you do it? I, th- I don't think I've ever <laughs> cried so much in my life. Uh-huh. I cried every day. I drove an hour back and forth to work, and um, I was triangled against or what people like to say aligned against. So my staff was going to my um, clinical director, making up stories about me. She used to tell me that she sees me through the window. This is the clinical director. Mm-hmm. Um, she well, I was in, in a meeting, and she was like, you know, you don't ever want to be in a meeting with me ever again because I am the she-devil. This is day what? two. What? So needless to say, um, I I grew. I have grown so much. I left there, took a twenty thousand dollar decrease. It moved in with my parents. Um, I finished my supervision, and I began to seek God. What do you have for me? Yes. I did not go through this for no reason, mm-hmm. and I began to do the work of who who is Raya, mm-hmm. and. I understand. I have a better understanding of life. Mm-hmm. Everything happened to me for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm literally turned my pain of not knowing who I am, being who every, being everything what everybody wanted me to be, mm-hmm. and turning into Rhea can come on a talk show. I can be a radio co-host. Mm-hmm. I can have my own TV station. I believe that today's show is going to be contacting me mm-hmm. because we can manage life. Life does not manage us. Right. So I say we live our life on the offense. Right. Like it's like in sports. Mm-hmm. The offensive team attacks and engages the opponent, mm-hmm. so, which is life. So I'm managing, I'm attacking life with the, with the idea of scoring or achieving my goal. Right. So I'm li- literally living my life on the offense versus life running me. <sighs> Does that make sense? It makes okay. a lot of sense. It's good. It makes so so. Have you already been through that place where you were you were still waiting yes. on God? Just you you've been you're coming out of that place I'm now, out of it. and that's exactly where I'm coming into. Right, and yeah. get ready because I feel as though um, I've learned so much about myself, mm-hmm. and the times that I relied on people, I didn't need people. Yeah, it's all right in there inside of me, mm-hmm. and everything happens. That's what for I keep a saying. Yeah, it's, it's right there. Yeah, and it's about being still. And um, not to make this all religious, but um, Go ahead. I had to seek God. Uh-huh. I had to be still and say, God, what do you want from my life? Uh-huh. And my mom for years told me, come on to BSF with Bible Study Fellowship. And I was like, Mom, I, I got to work my part-time job. I'm all about to make money. Uh-huh. And then I quit and I was like, okay, I don't have a reason now. So yeah. I showed up and Bible study changed my life. When I actually read the word and applied it to my life, uh-huh. I was like, I'm just like these people in the Bible. Yeah. And if you actually just listen to, re- listen to God uh-huh. and apply it, that's all your answers. Yeah. You don't have to figure nothing out. Yeah. That's wow. It. That's it. Girl, I can't wait to tune into your show. Let me know when you have your, your TV show. because it's, it's definitely coming. It's absolutely coming. It's coming. I, I'm starting off small. I, I started a YouTube station called Scoring Your Life. Mm-hmm. And I give practical tips on how to manage life okay. and help people learn to love life again. So that's where I'm starting off at. You, how about you be a guest host on my show? I sure will. How about we do this? I sure will. <laughs> so I sure will. So g- give out all your social media, how people can follow you again. Sounds good. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's The Solution with the number one at the end. Okay. Facebook, um, Rhea Goff, and it's spelled R-H-A-E-A-G-O-F-F. Um, my website is www.rayagoff.com. And awesome. I have YouTube, Scoring Your Life with Rhea Goff. That's what's We got up. this. I'm excited. you have anything you want to say, babe? I had some excellent show. I really enjoyed it. I all. love the energy. Yes, I love, love the energy. Huh? Thank you. Uh, okay. I'll be back. I'll okay. be back. You, you will. I'm, I'm
have invited myself back. Yes, you will. You will. You will. <laughs> well, I want to thank all the guests for calling in. I want to definitely thank you for coming and Nikki thank Curry you. for coming. I have not know. I ha- I haven't not noticed that you've been here throughout the month, and I appreciate it. Yes. I appreciate, you. I appreciate you again for coming out to the Black Men's Rock Awards um, two weeks ago. And I know that she's your publisher. She's mine, too. But I just want to say thank you for the opportunity. Yes. Um, I would not have had half the opportunity if it wasn't for you. So, she's you know, awesome. the, the best is yet to come. We have yes. more doors to kick through. So I'm excited. Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. So until next week, um, everybody have a blessed week. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Be blessed. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We ask that you visit www.letsfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information on future shows, special guests, advertising opportunities, and exciting interactive ways that you can be a part of the show. Join us next week. Same time, same place, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. Hi, Fashion Hotline. Help. My family's New Year's resolution is to be more active, but we could use some new styles for motivation. Run into Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now. All Old Navy active styles for the family are up to 50% off. Kick it into gear with leggings, mesh tees, and more. Up to 50% off? Ooh, I'm feeling motivated already. Tops start at just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids, with compression leggings and active pants from $15 for adults, $12 for kids. Kids, get a move on. We're going to Old Navy. Hurry in for up to 50% off all Old Navy active right now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid one 3 through one ten. Excludes in-store clearance. What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multi-purpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multi-purpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples where there's a whole lot in store. In store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519. 